1: Get started today at try That's trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.
0: Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
1: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McKusick uh, here to talk about the offense uh, from that awful Dolphins game. Very tough chore and uh, really appreciate having a good friend like Jason Smith of uh, Huddled Up Films here to join me for this.
2: Jason, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Ken. Yeah, I drew the, the short straw on this one, I feel like. but uh, <laughs> You didn't get the that defense, tough, that's for yeah. sure. In, in many ways, these are the most interesting and important ones to break down, so am happy to be here.
1: All right. Obviously, a very bad loss, a a conference game for starters, obviously a loss to a bad team, a loss the Ravens were certainly counting on getting Uh, the rest of the way. They now dropped to six and three. Uh, Still a slim lead in the division, Uh, but this is an ugly loss. No, no way to slice it differently. And uh, I think when I look at it, it was a loss more of scheme than by the offensive line in this one. And we're going to get to a little bit of that later. How, do you, any overall arching comments about this?
2: No, but I agree with you. In, in a way, it was a little bit harder to evaluate the players because the scheme had so much to do with just in general the entire game, the offensive line being, as you mentioned, the, the main factor. With all those free rushers, basically the offensive linemen were picking up their guy and only had to hold it for a second or so. So mm-hmm. um, a little bit different than most games.
1: Yeah, very, very much so. And, I, you know, I think you get down to the heart of this and we talk about ways that Martindale manufactures pressure by deception uh, really were in play for the Dolphins here. And, and it was one in particular. So the, the three elements of deception that I talk about are stunts, blitzes from off the line of scrimmage. And the Dolphins used very little of either of those first two. It was almost all simulated pressure. So, what the Dolphins were doing, and they showed a lot of people call it cover zero, but they they showed basically everyone at the line of scrimmage with the exception of a one for one matchup on outside receivers. OK, that's I'll describe it that way, because to some people cover zero means you have no deep safety. And that can mean you still have a linebacker off the line of scrimmage. In this case, they didn't have anybody off the line of scrimmage and they just had four guys, you know, n- nobody on the inside between tight end and tight end. They had they had whatever receivers were wide. They had one guy about seven to 10 yards deep on each play uh, or on a lot of plays, it seemed like and they were trying to manufacture pressure by simulation. And I'll explain that in a minute. I think you, it really takes a good example to go through this uh, of just exactly how they were manufacturing this pressure.
2: Yes, I mean, the, the, the thing that bothered me about this game was it seemed like we were lacking in the preparation department. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is we were countering, and it looked like Lamar was checking uh, looks to counter that. But the looks, uh, up until the third quarter, were basically bunch looks and, uh, you know, quick screen, bubble screen passes. And, you know, that's fine if it's first and 10, Ken, but when it's third and nine, that wasn't a great option. Yeah. And then when I think if well, a couple of minutes to go in the third quarter, we started spreading them out, sending some deep, uh, deep seam routes combined with some out routes, and Lamar was able to pick up yards. Even up until when Sammy Watkins fumbled, uh, we had finally figured it out at that point. And then the other thing, Ken, is tempo was another thing that I think really could have helped with that uh schematic just talking skiing wise. Right. I I'm I'm not sure
1: how much you slow down a blitz that's all dependent on free runners by going no huddle. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit skeptical that that would have been a solution. But that said, I was really frustrated by the pace the Ravens were getting to the line of scrimmage late in that ball game. I think like probably everyone watching on TV, they were screaming at their set. Um, you know, it just I, I was so frustrated. I I was losing it in the stands about about you know you got to get to the freaking line of scrimmage. You know, but it, yeah. it was frustrating as hell. Obviously, to watch 35 seconds roll off every single play. Uh, you know, you know, when they're we've got six minutes or whatever to go in the game and they're and they're down at that point, what 13 12 points,
2: yeah. And we, I mean, we had two delay of games, one of which came with our own one yard line at the very first play mm-hmm. of the drive. So, yeah. um, I mean, we had late pre or the pre snap motion was hurried, uh, because we were coming out of the huddles too late. And that seems like a, a it's been a pet peeve of mine, not to mention, I think the last time we talked, we spoke about how good the Ravens have been in four-minute, two-minute situations. Yeah. So what better time? It, it just took us too long. It was, what, the second-to-last drive before we went. That first scoring drive, I believe, is when uh, the 99-yard drive when we finally went to a no huddle. But um, it was just a – yeah, the coaching and the and, and, and everything really did have a lot to do with this game, in my opinion. Right. Let's, let's go back to talking about simulated pressure here because this is, this is an example
1: I want to spend a little bit of time on really trying to understand what's going on here and really try to explain it. Um, so the Dolphins regularly had every outside receiver matched up one for one, which meant they had either uh, seven, eight, even nine receivers, I believe, once. I uh, Sorry, nine uh, inside rushers uh, one time. But they, they constantly were showing a look where they were plus one in terms of rushers relative to what the Ravens could block on the inside. Why? Well, because Lamar Jackson doesn't make a block on the play. You might have a tight end in line. You might have a running back, but they've, if they've only got one committed to the outside, they always had one more. So let's take a specific example of what that means and how they use simulated pressure to generate, uh, it, it, to generate a free run. Well, if they have the simplest situation is the Ravens play five wide, then they've got five, Guys playing off the line of scrimmage, usually seven to ten yards deep, as, as you know they were for a lot of the night. They have six guys uh, across from the five offensive linemen flanking them on the outside, and and obviously space along the line of scrimmage there. And they have the the Ravens had uh, nobody in the backfield other than Lamar, so it's the easiest way to picture this thing. Well, the Ravens then have to make a decision on how they slide their pressure pre snap. They can block left or they can block right, but since their blocking starts in the middle. I'm not aware of any blocking schemes that will intentionally allow a guy in the middle to run free. So they either decide we're not going to block the left edge guy or we're not going to block the right edge guy essentially by blocking by sliding their protection left or right from that initial starting position.
2: Well, well explained. You're not going to yeah. let a guy come straight up the middle and Lamar's face free, uh, you know. You, would, you it's going to come from one of the sides. So yes, yeah, some slide protection, but that's well explained. And, yeah. and it, when it wasn't four, five wide, it was four wide, and the numbers just you just add one to them. Let's let's stick with the five the, the five wide because then we got to understand
1: what that means. So most of the time they decide, In fact, it might have been all of the time they decided we're going to block left. Jalen Phillips was on the left side. They're two big pass rushers. Jalen Phillips is a rookie drafted first on pass rushers, I believe in this last draft, correct? I know you did our big board. So he was high on my board. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and on the right side, they have Emmanuel Alba who's having a great year. He had a, had a good game you know, last night, certainly. And they could also let him go. Well, Agba's dangerous in a number of ways. He's he was dangerous in terms of being aware of screen passes going to the right. So he could knock those down. And I'm surprised, given the number that were thrown, that he didn't come up with an interception or more key deflections in the game, frankly, given how he was playing. But you can either give him a free run. Or you can give Phillips a free run. Or on some plays, they, they had a safety drop down late. A lot of times it was number eight. Um, Javon Holland. Holland, yeah. Holland, yeah. Uh, and he had an incredible game rushing the passer. He, I think he rushed the, the passer something like 20 times in this game with six pressures. He had a sack. You know, He just had a huge game in, in, terms, of, uh, in terms of rushing the passers. But the thing they did with simulated pressure was they dropped from the middle. And that meant that one of their guys on the outside got that free run, whether it was a guy who came up to the edge late, whether it was one of their two edge rushers. So they, they were consistently dropping their nose tackle, number 70, who's Adam Butler. He dropped the coverage 18 times in this fucking ball game. Okay, say that, in this ballgame. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and he was often dropping with another player, usually an inside linebacker, a safety, lined up A gap, lined up B gap, but not an edge guy. Uh, and and so they were dropping. Butler didn't look like much in coverage, but he didn't have to. He didn't have to cover anybody in this game because Lamar wasn't getting any of those passes off. And then somebody was coming off the edge, getting pressure very quickly and uh, and was unblocked. And what it often meant is our interior offensive linemen had no one to block. They stood there without a dance partner while it was three to make two on one edge or it was two to make one on the other or it was whatever what it was. To to uh, create these free runs. Anyway, that's how simulated pressure ended up beating uh, beating the Ravens in this one is that they start. They have to start the blocking and plan to block those guys who are dropping from the line of scrimmage on the inside. And that left free runners consistently all night long uh, on one edge or the other.
2: Yeah. Well, explained, Ken. Well, explained. I mean, you, you have to be able to plan for that guy up the middle and, you know, the pre planning of that and having him drop. And it's just ironic that we've seen the Ravens use similar looks, not exactly the nose tackle dropping, but, you know, man, it was just over and over and over again. So, Excellent. yeah, I think you explained that really well. I don't think I really should add anything to it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens most commonly will drop an
1: outside linebacker, and that being Tyus Bowser, last year's Matt Judon, you know, this year could be Adafio Way. They've got guys, and, they, you know, even, even Houston will occasionally drop to cover. And, and they're outside guys. They dropped five times each in this game, if I recall. Five, six times. You know, that was a, that was a sort of neighborhood. Uh, but, they, you know, I, I want to give you the rest of the simulated pressure numbers because these are ridiculous. I count these every week for the Ravens. And I'd say in a typical game, the Ravens maybe have six, seven, eight. They've been doing it a little bit less recently. They only did it four times against the Dolphins. The Dolphins got 92 yards on the four simulated pressures the Ravens ran. Okay, the Dolphins dropped two guys from the line of scrimmage 16 times in this game. That's out of 45 pass plays that resulted in a passer sack, but excluding those two spikes. Mm -hmm. They dropped three guys seven times. I'm guessing the whole season the Ravens have maybe done that five or less times. Okay, drop three, <laughs> drop three guys, and they drop four guys once. Maybe the Ravens have done that once this year. Maybe they haven't, because it happens about once or twice per season normally that you you have some sort of four-four pass rush where you show eight at the line of scrimmage, and 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 you know that's a really a Martindale or a, or a Rex Ryan special. It's not something a lot of a lot of defensive coaches in in the entire league are willing to even do.
2: They mixed it up, and they got when they wanted to get home, they got home. And uh, you mentioned Javon Holland. It looked like. He was specifically following the running backs on a, on a lot of these plays yeah. because you would see Lamar move Le'Veon Bell or Freeman to his other side, and Holland would go to the other side of the line of scrimmage. So it looked yeah. like it was, he was like he's going to rush, rush slash spy the the running back, and uh, you know that really took away. It was another number in their favor, really yeah if, if you know with a running back in the backfield that running back has to be a really good pass blocker when you're
1: facing this kind of a, a of a defense because they have to they have to either figure out quickly which edge they're gonna have to block on which means they got to be lightning quick and reading who who's dropping there and then fixing okay there's the overload i gotta I gotta block Holland or I gotta block whoever else it might be or if you really want to gamble and I don't think the Ravens are really ready to do this they could they could allow Uh, They could pick two guys on the inside. They're not going to block. And, you know, in a game like this, maybe you block Butler. uh, You see Butler drop 18 times. You also say he's not that good a pass rusher, even if you give him a free run up the middle. Let's go ahead and take a chance on that. We will specifically not block Butler. And we're going to also just have our running back pick up one of three other guys, say, in the middle. Then you can get that block in the middle. You get both edges blocked. But you can't do it if you if you don't make a, a, take a gamble like that to have a running back blocking in the middle or maybe you pull a, a tight end in the middle. But it's going to be priority one for the Ravens this week to figure out how this doesn't happen again, how they react to it. And I think it's, it's a matter of scheme, but it's also a matter of having some additions to the playbook that, are, that are counter... These kind of formations, because, you know, you know, just like you said, every other team is going to try and see, hey, will this work against the Ravens?
2: And again, I think some of it was predetermined because when we had those bunch looks to the right, for example, Mm -hmm. we would left we would leave the left side of our line of scrimmage unblocked to allow Lamar to roll that way. And, you know, obviously he wants to have somebody blocking the people in his face. So it's like the defense knew that, and you saw guys like Butler, whoever was dropping, was automatically dropping towards the bunch. So it gave them extra inside support on those plays. So it was just so, so predictable, which was part of my frustration in this game that it took so long to say, hey, let's spread it out. Let's pick who we're going to block, who we're not going to block. Let's They don't know which way we're going to roll protection. Let's play the game a little bit too, and let's run some of these out routes and slants that – Really, we started to move the ball. It was just too little, too late. And then, like I said, the Watkins fumble really uh, swung the game. Right. I, I'm I'm getting back to your comment about rolling out. If you decide
1: you're blocking left on a play, that obviously makes it more difficult to roll right. If you roll away from where the you know the pressure is going to come from, so you let Jalen Phillips go, you're not going to get right two and a half seconds probably, or, or you're not going to get three seconds anyway to throw that football. But you might buy yourself two and a half, and that might be enough if you're rolling out there to have some options vertically or so on some of those man options. I think Lamar, in his career, has done a terrific job rolling right away from pressure left you you can a lot of things can happen that are good you can get people caught in the wash you can get a little chip on him from maybe the left tackle if he backs up a little bit and and you know already has blocked his own guy and somebody commits to pursuing outside of the 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 uh, uh, direct interaction of the line you might get an opportunity for someone to block back on that on that you know racing right defensive end Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you, if you don't give yourself that chance, if you don't lay off on the left side and allow, you know, try and set your play up to roll right into Lamar's strength, and I think rolling left any right-handed quarterback is just the wrong call. I, I even Lamar, I know he turns his body very well, but he's weaker quarterback rolling left than he is rolling right.
2: Sure, sure, uh, no argument there. I think most of them were rolling right. I, I didn't track that Ken, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but yes, it, it just seemed like they were going to let. Uh, you know, everybody was going to slide right. They were going to leave the uh, right defensive end on the other team, Phillips, most of the time, to come after Lamar from the backside. And Lamar would just kind of step back, drift back, sidearm if he had to, and throw the ball out into the flat, which, uh, like I said earlier, if it's first and 10, I understand that. You can pick up your five yards. That's fine. But when they're doing it on third and nine uh, is what really frustrated me because you're throwing short of the sticks on a, a play that really you don't – it would take a, uh, an above and beyond effort to get the first down on those plays. So uh, that was my frustration, the fact that they waited so long to spread it out, have two receivers on each side, say, mm-hmm. and confuse the defense or at least leave some question to where the ball would go. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, obviously that's troubling. In a bunch of formations, they
1: do they do you in some ways. I mean, they're intended to set up a pick – uh, intended to set up some confusion for the group of of coverage players that are there, but they do take time to develop. Generally, you know, they they're, they're, they don't develop in half a second. You can't get that ball out immediately most of the time to that group because they're too. It's too easy to cover short, medium. Uh, long or even left, right, center—it's—it's it's too easy. Uh, and I, I'm, uh, you know, it, it, obviously this didn't work. A lot of things are frustrating about this game, but the—the the, the fact that uh, you know it—it it didn't really lead to reaction, and there weren't any answers after halftime to basically say, "Hey, we need to do A and B and C and D differently," and and really come out with with some uh, with some changes. It just—I'm I, I, very frustrated by it. Obviously, I think you are too, but uh, you, you're. Too,
2: I was just going to say, Ken. The other thing is, it takes a an accurate throw, which which sounds mm-hmm. kind of silly because it's a short throw, but you better not have the every seconds count, you know, for yards after catch on that. Yep. So it better be a, a bullet. It better be at the receiver's chest, maybe leading him upfield. Yes. If it's low or a little bit high, you're wasting valuable seconds, and of course the whole defense is flowing to that side. And then the second thing that frustrated me too, Ken, is like there were times where Andrews was the lone soldier on the left side. Whereas if I know there's a free rusher coming from that side, but you know, you could see a little bit of emoting from, I believe Watkins was on the, the, by himself on that side one time where it was just like, man, if Lamar would just, and I don't, you know, of course he's being told to throw it hot. You know, he said after the game, I was hot all night. I was hot all night. meaning he was, you know, free program to throw it to that bubble side, Mm -hmm. but You know, I guess for the future, Ken, I I don't have any problems. I don't have any questions that we'll be able to handle this better than we did. Well, we handled it (laughs) not as bad as we could, but there are ways to skin the cat. It just took us so damn long to get there. And that's where the frustration comes in on this game, because I don't – when I look down at my notes, you know, I nitpick. I can nitpick at some of Lamar's throws. There's a Hollywood drop. There's this and that. There's a block here and there. But there's not one person where I said, oh, man, he had just an awful game. You know, it was, you know, we got beat by 2-17 and without anybody standing out as, man, what an awful game. I mean, you could go in on Sammy if you want, but, you know. Yeah. He he had a bad game, but uh, Lamar was all over the strike zone. You're right in
1: terms of the throws. I mean, they were low. There were, but you know, one's bobbled by Hollywood after being low. Obviously, that's a problem in terms of getting up field. You had, you had. He was high. He was outside a number of times. I mean, just it, it was it was all over the strike zone. Not too much in the black there in terms okay. of uh, you know, good call. So it's a tough. uh you know, tough night for Lamar, but uh, but he'll he'll be better. Let's uh, let's talk about numbers on this thing because people will say they just rushed all out, and they they did rush very hot. Uh, Twenty six rushes a five plus out of forty five. So it's a fifty eight percent blitz rate. We've seen higher the the uh, uh, twice this year already. The Ravens have faced uh, heavier blitzes in terms of numbers per play against the Broncos. It was seventy percent, and then it was sixty seven percent against the chargers. So that, that was quite a pair of pass rushes, bodacious pass rushes. They faced, um, do I have that right? I'm thinking for some reason, I'm thinking it's Cincinnati.
2: It's not, it's the chargers Broncos were definitely yeah. one, but I'm splanking on the second. I, I think, I think it's the chargers.
1: I, I look at, I'd have to look at my OL sheets, but I, but I'm, I'm 95% sure it's the chargers because they were, they had this dyadic pattern going for a while. And Indianapolis was mostly four man pass rush. Same thing with Cincinnati. And then Minnesota was the first normalization they'd had since about week, uh, week three. So anyway, uh, 19, five man rushes, five, six man rushes, one, seven man rush, one, eight man rush. If this were the Ravens, we call that a somewhat high day for rushing, but we wouldn't, it wouldn't be outrageous. I mean, the Ravens do that kind of thing a fair amount, oftentimes in the forties. Anyway, maybe the 19 number would be 12. Uh, but, but it's, it's not so much that, that, you know the Ravens don't haven't ever seen it before. What they really hadn't seen is the simulated pressure played at this level. That's really the thing that was different. It wasn't stunts. It wasn't off-ball blitzes. Dolphins hardly had any of those. uh, they, uh, uh you know you, when you pack the line of scrimmage like that, you almost can't stunt. For starters, right. <laughs> when you when you blitz from off the line of scrimmage, uh, you are not showing that cover zero look that we saw all night. You know they they had they almost showed nobody at inside linebacker for a large block of the game. Uh, you, you know where they where they basically didn 't have anybody playing off ball at all, so it it, it just it, you know, it was one type of of pressure that was beating the ravens play after play, you know one particular look and and not being able to to uh, solve these sim pressures is is just mind boggling to me but anyway the, the, the principal guy was adam butler that 's the guy they they could have decided, hey, we need a scheme to not block him because he 's screwing up our ability to block the edge guys. And look, they keep dropping in play after play. Just don't block Adam Butler. Take a chance. Let Lamar outrun Adam Butler if necessary. Uh, Let him, let him maybe, you know, run the ball up the middle. If Adam Butler chases him and, and and he can get around him. I mean, there were ways to do it. It just, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't get it figured out during the game, which is very frustrating.
2: Yeah, so and I just wanted to, to to put an exclamation point on what you said. It wasn't the number of blitzes; it was the way they did it. Mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't wasn't the numbers. We'd seen blitzes like that, but it was the simulated part of it that really really messed us up. And you know, they really didn't go to it too much on the first two drives. I think it was when it was third and nine, uh, third and four turned into third and nine on the on the first drive. That's when they started going to it, and it worked. And we saw uh, just a ton of it from there. So those first two drives, when we you know kicked a field goal and missed a field goal. They were playing, it looked like a lot of single high, maybe some disguising, some two highs, but they had a safety back there. Yep. And then he just disappeared, Jack, like for most of the rest of the game. And I found it interesting, Ken, that it seemed like they played what I'll call a normal defense, like with the safety or linebackers off ball on early downs. And we saw, uh, you know, and uh, – Lamar throw to Andrews, pepper Andrews on those early downs and then they would bring in back the simulated pressure and just shut it down from there Mm -hmm. Um, you know I want to say there were three or four drives where the first play resulted in a first down to Andrews or Duvernay and then they brought the the cover zero or however you want to say it up after that Yep, it's
1: uh, it definitely is a problem. One of the things that I've been harping on in recent weeks was the extra in line players, and and most of that is about how the Ravens are really not getting a good return on their extra in line players. When I say that, I mean fullback, tight end, and a sixth offensive lineman. Any one of those three on the field, and I'm just taking all tight ends as tight ends in this case, including Andrews, is often split. But he can come in, come in line, and does a lot, and and give you a chip block before he goes out, or or you know, frankly, block on the play if he has to. He doesn't do that too often, but he can. Um, and they were down actually this week to only one point sixty three per play. They faced a high of one point ninety six against that Chargers blitz uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know, when you use two of your players in line, you always have a running back on a play. That means you you only are averaging two wide receivers per play. Now the Ravens. I don't think they want to be that team anymore. I think they want to do more 11 personnel. And, you know, at 1.63 per play, they're getting more 11s on the, on the field. If you think about it, if you never use three tight ends. That's 37% of the time you'd run 11 to get to that point. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, even with Boyle coming back, I, I feel like we're still going to trend towards the 11 personnel just because Duvernay's found a spot in this offense, it looks like. And then, of course, you have Bateman, Hollywood, and, and Sammy if they're all healthy. So it's it's going to be hard to keep them off the field too much, even with Nick Boyle, uh, you know, a, a major player in this offense in years past. Right. I'd I do. Th- I'd have to say, I'm going to take the other side of that coin, that I think Boyle will get a few more snaps
1: than Tomlinson is getting. I don't see Andrews' snaps really reducing, and I honestly don't see Ricard's snaps reducing because of the presence of Boyle. I might be wrong about that because, frankly, they used Ricard as a sixth offensive lineman for a fair portion of this game. Uh, you know, had him right at the line of scrimmage, not in the backfield. Not that, they, not that the Ravens would have been fooling anybody with going to the mesh point against this team at the, right. you know, in the second half of this game, but uh, uh, you know, they, they still ran the ball until fairly late, which we, I, don't know, I don't know how you felt about that. That was driving me nuts, too.
2: Kind of yes, it definitely did, and it was just certain situations when they ran it, because I, I felt like they were pretty effective early, uh, especially mm-hmm. on those first couple of drives versus the normal fronts. But against this, uh, against all those people at the line of scrimmage, it didn't seem to make much sense. But uh, also, I just wanted to answer or answer back. I think Boyle's going to take a part of Ricard's role, part of Tomlinson's okay. role, and so I, I kind of see it like if it's a one point six three this game, I could see it being around one and a half. I, I can okay. see that, and what uh, you know, I, you said the previous high was one point nine six. But mm-hmm. I think when I listened to your other shows, were one sevens, one eights is mostly where they've been. Ken, one ninety six and one ninety three were the two highest. Okay, and, and so they've they've had
1: they've been trending up for a long time. But this game, even with the heavy blitz, they didn't, uh, uh, you know, heavy heavy numbers. They really didn't line up that way. All let right, right. Well, I'll give you the other number for me that was terrible in this game. I've been also harping on the number of set-and-chip blockers by game because the Ravens are using a lot of their eligible receivers in line to block. Well, this game, 35 set-and-chip blockers total on 45 pass plays, which is .78 per play. It's not the highest. They used over one against Cincinnati, which was a lot of four-man rush that Cincinnati showed them. So they really overprotected that game. But I hear about this, you know, why didn't the Ravens run max protect? They're set and chip blockers. They're thirty-five total, thirty-three set blockers and two chip blockers. So they didn't have anyone releasing on the form from the formation late to trickle out and provide Lamar a target. Now, why is that significant? Well, Lamar didn't have a lot of time to throw. But what was happening was that the, the guys who were coming off the edge and tying up the running back every play are tying up the option. To, to get somebody out of the backfield who could bail Lamar out on some of these plays. So, and mm-hmm. otherwise has to be the tight ends or it has to be the receivers doing it. The tight ends, a lot of times were blocking as well, or they were assigned or split wide in a way that they, they went out on their routes, but we just did not see chip blocking in this game. Only two times did it occur and 33 set blocks. Ain't going to get it done uh, on 45 plays. That's just far too many.
2: Yeah, it was a little bit odd to me, you know, it, it I don't know. It seemed like a couple of times that uh, Miami ran in, ran into themselves or ran out of space, Mm -hmm. but uh, most of the time it was just a free rusher on Lamar's face. So I'm not sure if they, you know, they wanted to clog things up or, or what the plan was there, but uh, that definitely caught my eye as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right. So still got the struggling tackles. We've talked about that a little bit and it's, it's certainly not helping the Ravens' ability to try some other things that they still don't completely trust either tackle uh, in terms of their pass blocking abilities. They certainly don't trust Villanueva, and I think that's that's fairly justified. And they don't trust Phillips. He's only been there a short time and, isn't and, you know, has been uh, um, up and down in terms of his yeah. play. He played pretty well the week before. He yeah. played pretty terribly this week. So, uh, you know, we... we uh, uh, even with McCarry, he'd been kind of up and down. He played very well in aggregate. And he played very well at the end, but he had some up and downs too. So Ravens weren't totally trusting him and were covering him on a lot of plays. Uh, frustrating. Uh, they really scaled back the number of pulls in this game. Now, when you're not actually going to run the ball, using run action on your pass plays does not have the same kind of value. It's kind of like using play action. Uh, to disguise your run plays and and you know con- convince the other team that you 're going to run the ball instead of, instead of passing the ball, so run action is just another way to 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 show the other team that you might run the ball. Uh, you can do it with the mesh point but the, but the run action they they really held back on this, and most of their polls were in the first half where they had eight uh, they just ran six in the second whole second half and they ran a lot more plays in the second half.
2: And those pulls couldn't be used to pass block either, so you know there wasn't any time to, to mess around for, with that. Mm-hmm. So yes, I saw Zeitler, Zeitler, you know, you know, us running uh, left, and you know I like Zeitler's mobility. I thought he did well with his pull blocks. Uh, he was probably uh, he was one of the players of the game for me. I mean, he, yeah, yeah I think he really played well. Yeah, I, I agree. I
1: mean, of, of the Ravens players, he certainly – we'll get to that in just a minute, but he really stood out in terms of pulls. Lamar had 12 ample time and space opportunities in 45 pass plays. That's 27%. He had 28% last week. So it's not like that number is so extraordinarily low, particularly in the first half. They got him some opportunities late. They got him some additional opportunities when they kind of backed off and played some prevent uh, against the Ravens. Uh, but he averaged just 6.1 yards per play on those throws. That's terrible. But on the other other throws that the, that he had, he averaged
2: only four point seven yards per pass play. So it was even worse. It was, and you know, I wonder how much of that ample time and space was derived from the quick passing game. Like that would be a question that I had for you. Because, oh, uh, go ahead, Ken. So.
1: What it means is there there has uh, there was or would have been a three second pocket, and of the twelve, I'm just going to estimate for you. I'd say. Nine or ten of them, he actually had that three-second pocket.
2: Okay. Okay. So it's, it's not a function
1: of the quick passes, then. No, okay. that would be if if there is any if there's any reasonable chance that it would have developed, or it's an immediate screen pass. That's that's classified as ball out quick, so it's not ample time and space, but it's in a middle category uh, that that is uh, otherwise looked at.
2: Gotcha. Well, I'm glad I, I'm, I asked. I'm sure somebody else was thinking that too because it yeah. that's actually better than I would have thought. You know, twelve out of 45, 27 percent. Lamar had time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I look at this game and
1: and I really got to ask, maybe I'll ask it as a question here, Jason. Do you think this presents a learning opportunity for the Ravens? Maybe an opportunity also to really see how Roman reacts to this adversity, how how Jackson reacts to this adversity, and try and figure it out next game in terms of all the things the Bears are going to do that I'm sure will have some similarities.
2: That's the way I, I I look at it, and I think that's the way the Ravens have to look at it I'm looking at it from their perspective because, I mean, we just handled it that poorly. And, um, you know, just when you think you know what your weaknesses are and I'm saying, well, okay, we have, you know, we have to help our tackles, you know, we're giving up big plays, miscommunications on defense. Okay, that's what we have to concentrate on. We have to get better at that. Now, all of a sudden, we're hit with this. Yep.
1: Yep. So uh, let's let's calm ourselves down
2: a little bit. Obviously, coming in pretty hot on
1: the scheme stuff, and talk offensive line play individually. Uh, the offensive line did not play that poorly. Most of this again was about scheme and free runners. It was not a lot of individuals getting beaten in this. But I'll go through it quickly. Villanueva, one sack, one quarterback hit, one pressure allowed. Obviously, that's in in forty five uh, pass snaps that he was on. He did miss five blocks. Uh, In total, uh, you got a C grade for the game. That's as high as he scored this year. So it's, uh, you know, it was a good game for him in terms of uh, of what he did.
2: And I also had, you know, can I keep a a different kind of category? Maybe I'll just Mm -hmm. add this to the to the uh, conversation. But I had three plus blocks for Villanueva, which I consider better than average blocks, maybe stonewalling someone, maybe, you know, just giving Lamar extra time or space you know, yep. not just making the block and holding your own, but I have three plus blocks, dominant blocks from Villanueva. which Runner is Runner pass. But they were actually two pass and one, one run. We'd we'll have to go back in my notes and see exactly what they were. But that is the highest that I, I had given from them all year. So okay. I, you know, uh, that was a key for me. I, I don't think he was a problem in this game. Uh, I don't think he affected what we were able to do or not do. The five missed blocks, yeah, kind of typical. But um, overall, it wasn't a uh, – I mean, it was an average performance. I think C is a great grade for him. Yeah,
1: it, it actually, as I have it scored, it was his single best game in terms of raw score the entire year. So it, uh, he, he his highest previously in terms of his – his score before adjustment was at point sixty eight. I believe he was at point seventy four this game. So, uh, you know, I, he it wasn't him directly that was the problem. And it's not that he didn't have moments in this game. He obviously gave up some, you know, a sack and a and a quarterback hitting a pressure. But but he it it was a lot of snaps and and it really honestly uh, it wasn't anywhere near his worst game this year. Yes. Yes, I agree. All right, powers be an interesting one grade wise uh B plus as I have it a second best year the second best game of the year by by grade. Power's basically been in the Cs every single game except for one, and that was Detroit early in the year where he scored very well by my system. This game of B plus his second best game well, I had one penetration, one pressure, two out of threes on poles, but he never got to level two. he didn't have any pancakes um It wasn't a kind of game where he could make a lot of dominating run blocks, obviously. And unfortunately, in the past game, there were a lot of occasions where he didn't have anyone opposite him because of players dropping from the line of scrimmage directly opposite him. So it's almost like an incomplete as opposed to a B-plus the way this game was played. But he did not make personal errors at a high level in this game.
2: No, I had one missed assignment, and I think he was responsible for one quarterback hit, actually. I think Lamar got hit on that. He's marked as a pressure. But, um, but yeah, um, the missed assignment, I believe, was there were three people to his one side, uh, to his right, I believe, the center, and there was one person, Villanueva, and he went to go help Villanueva, and somebody came screaming up the middle. Um, So that's what I marked as a missed assignment for him. But, like you said, it was a, a lack of work. Basically a game for Powers. Wasn't a lot for him to really do. And one of those pulls, I mean, he really never got a chance to get out to level two. I mean, he was met pretty much at the line of scrimmage where there was an open man at the line of scrimmage really clogging things up there. So, uh, yeah, we talked about, I think I said early in the show, it was a hard game to grade the players just because of the scheme. And Powers really embodied that. Yeah
1: not no opportunities frankly in this game to have double teams at the line of scrimmage where you can climb to level 2 i mean there just wasn't any of that right. so uh you know it wasn't it was a, every every gap was taken at the line of scrimmage so uh let's move on to Bozeman his third straight college game and a, a solid game i should say bozeman has had Three up, then three down, then three up again. A B in this game. Half a penetration. I, I gave him half responsibility for one of the sacks. He was one of one on pulls. Uh, another game, and, and he was a guy often in the middle of the you know pass-blocking mayhem that was occurring who's patrolling an area without a dance partner. And a lot of that's because Adam Butler is dropping into coverage and he doesn't have anybody. Uh, they just weren't necessarily peppering the A-gap with pressure on either side. They often would drop both guys from from the A's. And uh, he had a a, a game that, that uh, I think he did what what he was supposed to do. Um, you know, didn't end up with a bunch of missed blocks or anything, but it just it also wasn't spectacular in terms of who he had to block uh, on the offense. A lot like Powers.
2: Yes, I, I actually think the positive sign for me with Bozeman is he looked 100% healthy to me and strong. Mm-hmm. I had him down for three-plus blocks where he was just stonewalling and, uh, you know, really sealing well, anchoring well. Uh, so I liked what I saw for powers there or for Bozeman, rather there was more to gain from him personally, in my opinion, than there was for powers just because I was questioning how the back was, how his health was. And to me, bat Bradley Bozeman looked like he did early in the season. Like he looked, looked mm-hmm. 100% to me.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was certainly terrific during those first three games. Uh, let's go to Kevin Zeitler. Another good game for him. A as I scored it, uh, no negative plays the entire game. He had four missed blocks. He made six out of seven pulls. You know, again, you look at the entire middle of that Ravens offensive line. They were able to to make blocks. Most of the problems were on the edge. Uh, they, it's not not like they didn't have any unblocked B gap situations, but when they did. They also had someone, uh, the, the guard making his block generally on those plays as well. They didn't have they didn't have frankly a lot of cases where they fanned out either Phillips or way to try and get a b gap, blitz or rush in there. They did a little bit of it, but since they showed exactly what they were coming with, those guys blocked inside a lot. Those guys blocked down blocked. A lot to to uh, uh, make sure they they got their block in, and when you don't have really that difficulty in judging your assignment, you usually make your block. But then, of course, the the, the Ravens also have pressure to come that resulted from it.
2: Now, I actually I actually scored him very high. I had seven plus blocks. Uh, you know, he was singled up one on one more than Powers, more than mm-hmm. Bozeman, and uh, you know they trust Kevin Zeitler in that role. We've seen it when they double team; it's usually to help Powers out. Um, and Zeitler has been counted on to block his man one-on-one, and I've been impressed with him all year long. The uh, the one obvious negative I gave to him was when him and uh, Powers ran into each other. Yes, yeah, on the pole. Oh. And that was obviously, to me, Zeitler's fault because everybody else looked like they were down blocking right. Uh, and those our powers was pulling right. And Zeitler the fullback was, pulling, was going right. <laughs> fullback was pulling, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Ken, right. Your car was going right. Zeitler was going left. So I gave, uh, I gave that one to Zeitler, even though I'm not the uh, offensive coordinator at Baltimore, I- I could figure that one out, Ken. But uh, It's
1: probably happened about four times in 15 years of scoring that I've seen that happen. Uh, but it, but it, was, it, it happened once in a preseason game with Nico Siragusa and Jermaine Illuminor, I remember. And that was just a couple of years ago. But Illuminor's last year before he got – sorry. Uh, Siragusa's last year before he got cut. That's
2: and, a big collision right there. That's two big yeah, guys.
1: That's, that's a couple big guys. And and they had set up Syracuse to have seven poles in that game to try and get a real evaluation. They had him in there play, playing basically the entire game. I think it might have been against the Packers. But anyway, they had him basically in there to play the entire game, and he had seven pulls, and he had done such a good job. And then all of a sudden, Illuminor goes a long way and and, and messes up one of his opportunities to to make a nice pull. And then they have you can see the conversation going on. You can see in this game that Zeitler was talking to uh, uh, Powers, Powers. Uh, about the one instance of it, and Powers was in the right. It's it's unusual that that yeah, that would came that way. But to watch, you know, the gesticulation occur on field is always funny. I like I love to look for. Emotes from players when mm-hmm. they when they are uh, uh, indicating that somebody else did something wrong because you, you really get some telling
2: hand signals, and gestures out of that. Yeah, when the receivers were running into each other last year, I can <laughs> tell who was who. Uh, you could tell who was who was in the wrong spot. Queen out of position is another good one. That, that yeah, was a Marcus, lot of emoting last year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Marcus, yeah, I miss Marcus, but yeah, Zeitler overall Ken, I just wanted to say, great signing for the Ravens. He's worked out yeah. well despite all of our problems on the line, you know, I think that it gets lost in the shovel how good Zeitler's been for us, just solid all year. And somebody that we're we're asking to do some of the harder assignments on the line because others need help. So shout out to Kevin Zeitler. He's been the glue that's held it together,
1: frankly. Only had one bad game. That was in week three against Detroit where he kind of imploded. A lot of that was on one drive, in fact, at the end of the game. Uh, where he gave up three bad plays, I think actually he gave up three bad plays, and then they got the fourth and twenty nine completed is what i recall <laughs> or fourth and fourth and nineteen fourth and nineteen nineteen yes and and, and then they uh, they got the field goal what two plays later but uh, that uh, you know it, that was his only really bad game of the year and uh, and most of that was that one drive. Um, Okay, Phillips. Now, he was really the only lineman who struggled. Uh, he had a D in this game. So a regression after a pretty solid game against the Vikings, I thought. B-plus against the Vikings last week. Uh, eight missed blocks in this one, half a penetration, two pressures, half a quarterback hit, and half a sack. It's a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of discussion on this on the show last week with Sarah and I about the possibility that Phillips could continue to play well and that McCary might not have a position to come back to. Well, the notion would be that – you know, Phillips has maybe four games, five games still left before McCary returns. I know they haven't put McCary on IR, so they might be hoping he comes back sooner than that. But I'm betting not, given it's a high ankle sprain. And Phillips could take the position away from him just by playing well, and particularly by getting a B-plus in his first game back or his first full game. If he strings together three or four of those, then McCary doesn't obviously have the position when he comes back. You might rotate. You might try and get McCarry in to fix another hole somewhere else on the line. Maybe all of a sudden Bozeman is hurt, or somebody else goes down at guard, or whatever it might be. You might need him elsewhere, or maybe maybe it's just you know they they split the playing time like they did with Cleveland Powers at uh, at left guard. But now I'd say it's pretty much a sure thing. After watching Phillips struggle in this game, I don't see how you you leave him there uh, when McCarry returns. Uh, and I think he would have to do too much in too short a time now to basically uh, maintain this. I'm giving myself a chance to get whipsawed here and be wrong twice, effectively, but, yeah. but that's how I see it.
2: Yeah, I, no, I, I I, don't think. It's just the inconsistency, Ken, because, you know, I have him for three-plus blocks as well. I mean, he gets mm-hmm. in, two of them were in the run game. When he gets into you, I, I believe one was a, a, a sweep by Duvernay, and he completely sealed that thing and uh, was able to maintain his block. Uh, yep. He gets pushed back, man. He, he had a run, blew, blew up one of Freeman's runs or Bell's runs, I believe. Um, when he makes a mistake, they are usually monumental mistakes. And Ken, you, you're not going to you're not going to like me for this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it on the show anyway. I have a theory myself that I was running last week that I, I don't think that you would be fond of. But uh, I actually think McCarry has been our best tackle this year uh, when you can consider- say much. Not saying much when you consider <laughs> yeah. how much they're catering to Villanueva mm-hmm. and how much what Phillips looks like. I would actually, and I want to whisper this so Ken McCusick doesn't hear it, but I would actually be in favor of trying McCary on the left side uh, and giving Cedric a way he has shot at the right side right to see how that looks. Basically, my philosophy is, and others have disagreed with me, as you you know, this is an out-of-the-box idea. But put our best lineman at left tackle. We saw him there in the preseason. He looked like our best lineman then too. So um, I'm just really trying to solve the blind side pressure and allow Lamar to see the pressure that's coming into him instead of constantly getting bumped by Villanueva. So that's my outside the box idea, Ken. I want okay. to throw it out.
1: I, I will not I, I'm not disputing for even a second that McCary has been our best tackle this year. That's obvious. I mean, Stanley was terrible in one game. Villanueva has been no better than a C the entire year. McCary, as I've scored, it has three A's and a B, a C- and a D in his six games at tackle. So, you know, a little bit of up and down, normal kind of game-to-game variation, but no fall off the charts game. And he's and you know three of his three of his six games have been A's. So obviously, I you know I would agree he's been the, he's been the Ravens' strongest tackle. They have asked less than less of him on the on the right side would be my problem number one with moving him to the left.
2: Sure, the bus rush and all that, and not really
1: right. Often having an outside guy on on his side, which really means he's not. I, I don't want to minimize what he's done because he's played very well, but it means he's it's more like playing guard than it is like playing tackle when you're over there and you have a committed. Tomlinson or a committed Ricard on that side, who's who's going to help block on on uh, on key downs. The the other the other thing about it is that despite the fact that Villanueva's given up a ton of pressure, he has given up a lot of the bump Lamar pressure. Meaning Villanueva still mirrors pretty well. And McCarry, if he's going to get beat, is going to get beat quickly around the edge. He's going to get swatted away, and it's when it happens, it's it could be big hard hits on on Lamar. What what Villanueva is giving is he's getting a lot of a lot of pass rushers know the bull rush will work and they're just putting putting Villanueva in Lamar's lap. Lamar mm. actually does very well with that kind of pressure. He gets bumped in the pocket, moves right pretty well, moves up in the pocket pretty well out of that pressure. And so for that reason, even though McCary has far outplayed Villanueva, I would still prefer Villanueva stay on the on the left side of our current options.
2: It's a good point, I think um my only counter i don't want to go on and on because I know we have other stuff, but uh you know the pistol helps with that outside pressure too mm-hmm. and, uh McCarry can 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 uh, you know anchor pretty well, and he's not uh no slouch when it comes to his mirroring and his feet, so so yeah, I figure i would th- throw that by uh Jake Vogel, Garnett West, my two partners. I asked them why they didn't comment on my tweet, and basically they were uh silent because they disagreed, so they were supporting me by not speaking, which was uh. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice of your friend Garnett and and Jacob. All right,
1: uh, let's continue on here. So, only five blocks in level two for the entire offensive line in this game. Obviously, that's a game. That's a game where the other team is not allowing the Ravens to roam. That's what they do well when they're power blocking, they get off those double teams, they get to level two, they make additional blocks. Uh, they create lanes that are further than, uh, you know, a yard away from the line of scrimmage. So uh, that that was missing in this game and, and the Ravens missed a lot of opportunities uh, because of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it just wasn't a lot of opportunities. And I think the linebackers were flowing very well uh, knowing where, Knowing where they the ball was going to go, so so yes, I you know I, I didn't really take the level two performances into much account, didn't weigh them very heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to
1: talk about Lamar obviously here and what he didn't do well in this game, and there were some things I guess he did okay, but I don't think there is a lot that he really did well in this game. He really did not adjust to all out pressure. Uh, the Ravens, as a team, and it's perhaps it's Lamar, perhaps it's the scheme in general, perhaps it's things about Roman, but I think at least some of this blame has to fall on Lamar. Just do not adapt well at the line of scrimmage to what's going on. I've seen more of Lamar this year moving a player out of the backfield, well, moving a player on, from one side to the other in the backfield, but even moving a player in the backfield up to a uh, chipping role on the edge. You know, we've seen that some with Latavius Murray earlier in this year. I think we've seen it some with Bell. Uh, you know, he, it, those are options that you know I, I like Lamar for. What it doesn't seem to be happening is he's not changing the play at the line of scrimmage. At least not very often. If he's got two plays, you know that may be what he's got. But but you know, there's just there's just not a a 15 year field generals. Uh, kind of uh, ability to change the play at the line of scrimmage you'd like to see with Lamar. And when he does change the play, it's usually to a run for himself and not a, you know, a different hot read on a pass.
2: Well, in this game in particular, I thought that he was only given one particular, it seemed like it was the only read that he had was the hot read, which is what people are upset about, those bubble screens and... And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's just given that one. I would assume he's only given one play to check into. So he's basically stuck, in my opinion, anyway, in this game between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that's something uh, that his leadership will grow. Ken, in other words, if it's the end of the first quarter where he can. Well, Roman's up in the booth, but he can say to hardball or communicate with Roman to say, hey, I need another check. Because, you know, if I'm checking out of this run, I need, you know. I can't be throwing these, uh, you know, these bubble screens on third and nine. It's just not going to work. So I, it, I think that this was a learning experience and a growing experience for Lamar. And and like you said, I I do like the fact that he's moving the backs around one side to another or, or, or asking them to chip. Uh, not so much in this game, but just we've seen some of his leadership growth. And uh, as far as the throws are concerned, Ken, yes, it was just a little bit off here and there. Uh, in a game where we needed the throws to be perfect yeah. to maximize the yak, they just weren't perfect, little high, little low, little outside um, that was basically basically yeah. it and then he got he got of course betrayed by Watkins at a bad time,
1: uh, yes. which really was the was the, effectively sealed the game it didn't completely do it. The Ravens came back to make it a ball game with about four minutes to go, but uh that that put the Ravens in an awfully deep hole.
2: Yeah, it seemed like we had finally figured out the uh, simulated pressure at that point. That's what hurt. <laughs> you know, we were moving. To, it was a great play. It was a great play to beat simulated pressure to get the ball into Watkins' hands. It's what, <clears throat> what I was looking for. And that's why I said, you know, moving forward and using it as a learning experience, there's plenty of ways that we can beat a team that brings the same game plan. We just waited too long to figure it out in this game.
1: All right, let's talk other skill position players. You're the guest. Uh, Jason, give us a good player you'd like to talk about.
2: Well, my, my favorite skill position player was Mark Andrews by far. He was unstoppable, um, nice yak when he plays. I actually have three-plus blocks. I thought he did a good job on those bubble screens, uh, really attacking his man. And uh, he came to play, and I wish that uh, we could have gotten, involved, gotten him involved even more. So, uh, very good game and a good year for Mark Andrews. Absurd
1: miss on the, on the uh, ruled incompletion. No, uh, yes. a, you know it was I guess it was a, a first down play right I'm trying to think if that was a first down. I don't think it was a third down play I think it was a first down play but I uh, anyway yeah, whatever sorry. the case it's, yeah. uh, it it uh, they threw to him on first down a lot for first downs which is not the only time you want to be able to rely on Mark Andrews you want to be able to get to him on third down too sometimes um, but anyway that play was particularly frustrating in terms of uh, uh, you know, being overruled despite nothing we could see certainly from any view that would tell
2: you anything else but that it was a catch. I was surprised they threw the challenge flag because, Mm -hmm. I mean – What did they have? What did they have to see, right? Exactly. You know, but – and then when I went to commercial, when it went to commercial, I'm like, ah, there's no way that's – because it was called a catch. There's no way they're going to overrule that. There's nothing to see. And then I believe Sarah Ellison found – I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Ken, but she found the one angle where the ball actually – you could see it scrape the ground. So the call was correct. I was just surprised it huh. had anything to go on. Yeah, it's like check Sarah's uh, timeline. She, she put it up there, uh, I think, yesterday.
1: Okay, I'll have to take a look for that. That's good. I'm not happy about that, but it's, uh, but it's still good. I guess they must have had that view, even though we never got any view of that on TV. Do you remember when there was a time when they could say, what you're seeing on TV was exactly what the official was seeing under the hood?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> it was like, a, uh, you know, you felt like you were on the inside there. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. That's uh, it's too bad that they, uh, they, they don't make that that warranty for us anymore. All right. So you did Andrews, uh, Ricard and Tomlinson, a uh, frustrating game for them. Obviously neither of them is getting targets. Uh, but, but just a frustrating game that they couldn't even really get off the line of scrimmage and and do anything as far as presenting a receiving threat, uh, both of them have played very well. In the absence of Boyle, you know, Tomlinson has been terrific. Uh, Boyle will play more snaps than than he did, but Tomlinson has been really just been a terrific blocker while he's been gone. And in, in a lot of ways, I almost think the Ravens should stay with four tight ends. They certainly don't need nine offensive linemen active if you're counting McKenzie as one. Yeah, uh, so yes. so there's no, there was no reason for that. So, you know, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't just have – both Tomlinson and Boyle active, at least initially when, uh, when he comes back.
2: Yeah. I, I, I like what Tomlinson means to this team. And I, I, don't know if you remember, but I was hoping that he was going to be on the roster out of training camp, uh, just because he seemed like a great fill in for, for Nick Boyle. And then of course, uh, if, you know, if you were going to cut him in favor of Oliver, well, we have plenty of big slot receivers. We can use Boykin in that role. Mm-hmm. We have Andrews, we have, you know, receivers were strength. So, Uh, I do miss Nick Boyle, though, because I feel like I can envision Nick Boyle knocking the guy an extra two yards uh, with like when Tomlinson chips. It's just not the same as uh, having Nick Boyle chip. But uh, that's taking nothing away from Tomlinson. Just uh, he's done a really good job. You know, no news is good news. He's been very quiet. It's been very good for the Ravens. Yeah. All right. Your turn. Well, hey, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the backs and their pass protection because I think that they've really showed some toughness in this game, uh, giving it up, putting their body on the line, free rushers coming, uh, and they really laid it, laid it on the line. So I think that part of the reason we did not see Tyson get carries is there just wasn't looks to be had that pass protection was the most important thing in this game. So, um, I mean, I thought Freeman had a couple of good runs, Getting more yards than I would have expected. Watching the TV, I uh, can't say the same for Le'Veon Bell. But I thought the pass protection of both of those guys was great. Yeah, Tyson Williams. I don't believe he had a snap in this game. Did he? No, no sir. Okay, so
1: uh, he was he was active. They didn't have him inactive, but they but they he just did not get a snap. Uh, that is bizarre. Last week uh, he
2: had. I think okay. eighteen. I think it was yeah. eighteen and the same as Bell, but he didn't get a touch. He had one touch that was called back on penalty last week. Yeah, right. One touch called back on penalty out of eighteen. That's really hard to do, by the way, running back to,
1: to uh to do that. Yeah, six special team staffs. He was active, uh, but he did not play uh uh at all. Uh yeah, it's it's a shame. I agree with you. I think Bell did a pretty good job, and I think the, the, the pass blockers in this game uh, the, the running backs as pass blockers needed to be very good. It was obviously, you know, they had multiple chances, but it was also a place where if you wanted to try something, particularly involving Adam Butler, they could have set up a running back to block middle uh, or block outside. And, and you know, you possibly can get the result you want to, to get Lamar some additional time on one of those plays.
2: I mean, Holland too, Javon Holland. Yeah. He seemed to be assigned to those backs and he was coming with some, some young legs, you know, some fresh legs, speed, power, Uh, just a tremendous game from him. So I was, I was really happy with, uh, with, with Bell and Freeman, just laying it out there, putting it all on the line and, and really stonewalling it, stonewall him. So I figured that was, you know, in a game where there wasn't much room to run or opportunity. Uh, I just wanted to take time to point them out. I thought it was a good job by them. Yeah, I I would agree. Um,
1: Oh, Bateman. Let's talk about Rashad Bateman a little bit. Obviously, he was one of the Ravens' success stories as a receiver. Um, you know, showing some good hands, some ability to get behind the, the, the defense. Uh, just there's so much wrong with the other receivers. It's, it's, uh, it's really great. Bateman's a little bit of a sign of fresh air. But this was not a game where there are a bunch of bailout throws. And, you know, that's Lamar lives off those bailout throws. Rashad Bateman's a big part of that. And, frankly, so is Brown. Uh, so was Andrews. And, and he just did not get any 3.2-second opportunities, 3.3-second opportunities where there's an extended play outside the pocket. And Lamar is creating mayhem by also causing other people to rush. One of the things, by the way, when the quarterback breaks the pocket – there, the, the, the player in the middle of the field the player with short zone generally on his side is usually assigned to automatically rush the quarterback he's not even considered a pass rusher as I as I look at it but he's usually assigned immediately to, to to break on the quarterback at that point and that leaves a coverage responsibility open there that can be exploited it's one of the good things about rolling the quarterback out and you know they just really didn't even get opportunities to do that in this game such a you know a simple opportunity to beat you know what is you know a lot of what's going on with nobody in the middle of the field for these teams. Uh, it's really, really sad that they couldn't make that
0: happen.
2: It was. And it seemed like Lamar was, you know, like he's trained and it's good fundamentals. He wants to throw right at the blitzer. He wants to throw right over the head mm-hmm. of the whoever's voiding the area. But there were times, again, where I felt like Bateman, um, you know, and Andrews and Watkins, all three of them in there could have been targeted in the on the other side of the field, away from your habits. So it's something I think that Lamar will get better at. But, yeah, Bateman, more than half of his snaps came on the last two drives. He played every snap in the last two drives, 21 of 40. Mm-hmm. Um, he was had six catches for 80 yards on eight targets. Very efficient day. Uh, you can see his hands on one of those slant routes just snatched the ball out of the air effortly, effortlessly. Another one of those throws at Noir that was just a little off. Bateman covered up for it. And, man, what a bright – bright future for Rashad Bateman. I think he's going to pay dividends uh, for this franchise. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a big-time player for us. Right. I, I would agree. I, I, w- I want to close this down,
1: and we want to go to the mailbag here for a second. But sure. for, for pass receiving really quickly, Bat- Bateman, eight targets for 80 yards. He's at 10.0 yards per target. That's that's the terrific range. That's what I really want to see my receivers. Andrews, a little bit under eight. That's not really good. Um, you, you certainly don't want to have, for a protracted period, where Mark Andrews is under eight yards per target, um, but Marquise Brown, 13 targets for 37 yards. It's under three yards per target in this game. That's terrible, and I know a lot of short outside throws. He was having to scrap for some yards there, but he also, you know, he's under three yards a target. He just – more needs to occur. He needs to break some plays. Something needs to happen, and obviously he didn't get any, any big downfield hits in this game as he has been much of the season.
2: Yeah, better days ahead. There wasn't a lot of deeper intermediate for – uh, Marquise and those really add to his average, but yes, I know you got, we got some good mailbag questions. Let's, let's jump over to there and we'll, uh,
1: and we'll hop right on. So go over if you would to Twitter and we'll hit film study mailbag for offensive questions. I'll start with the first one um okay let's go with this uh this is from antonio jones who says why do the ravens never go no huddle or hurry up it helps the line by slowing the pass rush lamar has shown success with it depth at wide receiver we've done it in both colts games beautifully done it in both colts games okay he's saying last year's and this year's i think he's right yes Um, why do we not go to this more often than run off it on a tired d line okay the, the one reason I can say the no huddle might not have been the answer in this game is that it's usually the individual guys who have to win one-on-one matchups who get slowed down as they have multiple pass rush attempts. It's not the guys who get free runs. So if, you're, if your defense is constantly manufacturing free runs, I think you may actually be doing the other team a favor um uh, you know to to go no huddle against them if their defense is is constantly manufacturing free runs so that would be my answer to it i you know how do you feel about it
2: i love the no i love the idea of the no huddle i think antonio knows that uh of interacted with him before but we we've just been so effective with it i would like to see it sprinkled in throughout the games and then yeah yes ken i could see what you're saying but uh, we've noticed a lot of times with this Ravens defense running the same kind of thing where they're a little bit late lining up themselves and scooting each other mm-hmm. over, depending on how they react to where the offense is, is is lined up. So, yes, I could see that uh, being a chess match that favors both the offense and the defense as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the rushing is concerned. But I just want to see more of it. You know, I, I agree with Antonio on that. OK, you got the next one? Yeah, I have the next one here. Uh, Ken why on god 's green Earth this is from Slava cooperstein why on god 's green earth has the absurdity of running out the play clock on nearly every single play gone unaddressed for this long? so why are we why are we snapping it? Why are we coming out of the huddle with eight seconds left, snapping it as the clock expires again
1: well if they, if they want to be a, a fast no huddle team or a fast team at all, a team that forces. Some of the kind of adjustments by the defense to be made more quickly, like you're discussing, they have to get out of the huddle quickly. They have to get to the line of scrimmage quickly. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to run your play immediately, but you have to get to the line of scrimmage, scrimmage quickly so that you can make your own adjustments and shut down any substitution by the defense. The problem is the Ravens run a substitution based offense, so they substitute most downs to put new players in the game. They're not trying to stress the defense out with no huddle playing same 11, doing all that. And obviously if they do make substitutions, then the defense also gets to slow them down and substitute back at them. So I think that's part of the problem is that being a substitution based offense, it's harder for them to play no huddle.
2: And I would also say that some of this could fall on Lamar. I mean, it's impossible for us to know but, um, you know, the, the play clock sets off and every quarterback's helmet at the same time. Uh, so maybe that's Lamar where he can get us out of the huddle uh, a couple of seconds faster on his own. But, yeah, substitutions kind of hurt that. But, I mean, it doesn't seem to hurt. You know, it just seems like for us, I agree with Slava that it's been a long-going issue. And I hope it's something that we can correct uh, because in this game it was obvious our pre-snap motion. Our guys that were moving pre-snap were hurrying up to get there just so we didn't take another delay a game had two delay games in this game. Take another one here and and answer it first yourself. Sure. Sorry about that, Ken. Did you see the Ravens try to run many verticals against the cover zero blitzes besides the one to Watkins in the end zone? And if so, did Lamar not see them or just not have time to make the throws? Thanks. And that's from Brett Hammans. And yes, Brett, we were doing that when we adjusted, especially uh, if you look at the last two minutes of the third quarter, Throughout the rest of the game, basically we were running out out routes uh, on each side and go routes on each side. So it was a go route to clear out the clear out the space. Uh, you remember the catch and run, to Bateman. It was a really nice catch and run up the sideline late in that game. There were verticals there too, and I think it was a combination of well, number one, you just don't expect to have that time. It would be a blessing if you did. But um, I think that that is something that you can hit on if Lamar has the pocket presence to realize he can drift a little bit to the side, just buy himself an extra split second that I think you could hit up the seams, especially Brett in a game where you need to score fast. So, yes, we did try to do it. No, we didn't try to hit on it. We just took the out routes when we uh, switched to those patterns. Yeah, well, it was it was not a lot the whole game, though. They did have a deep
1: one to Brown that was, you know, a contested ball down the right sideline. Uh, again, that was that was a case of a little bit of a misfire, making that more of a dangerous contested ball. Probably would have been incomplete, even if it were another three or four yards to the right. But at least it would have made a better chance for Brown to make a grab uh, than, than it was as is. Uh, just, there just were not that many total deep shots uh, in this whole game. Go to Alan Frankel's question. What are your thoughts on using Duvernay in the Cordell Patterson-style role? There have been a few occasions where name the Ravens running back has had a lot of space but hasn't capitalized. OK, so generally, the, the, the Ravens' older running backs have a big problem with outside speed. The Ravens' young young running back, Tyson Williams, is their fastest back but doesn't seem to have the mesh point facility yet and probably general fumbling issues that are putting him on Harbaugh's doghouse I don't know whether it's happening in practice obviously we're not there at this time of year we wouldn't see the, the 11 on 11 part of practice even if we were um, but I love the idea of DuVernay in a Corderell Patterson role I've, I've, I've been calling for DuVernay to be a running back in the backfield to give them that speed option to the outside uh, they use him in jet motion really only now they did try him once against Minnesota in the backfield very happy to see it uh, but I wish they I'd go to more. I think him and sidecar, if he can master the mesh point, is something you definitely want other offensive coordinators seeing as the game plan for the Ravens.
2: I'm totally in favor of it. And I mentioned even on, on RPO, not your read options, but your run pass options, to use Duvernay to, to move that linebacker and create space for Lamar mm-hmm. to throw behind it. And, uh, you know, Ken and I are on the same wave, wavelength on that. I don't think that, uh, you know, I mean, the mesh point obviously is – is important, but, uh, you know, Lamar and DuVernay do have some general timing together very well. DuVernay's been in the offense, even though he hasn't been in that role. I could see him transitioning quick, I guess. And then on Tyson, uh, just my own personal guess is we saw him light it up in the preseason with a limited vanilla offensive scheme. And we also saw a game where he wasn't sure quite sure where he was lining up. So I'm wondering if it's part mental, part the fumbling, uh, what's going on with him? I think he would have gotten or it, it still has an opportunity to get touches as the season goes along. But uh, it, I think it's just it's it's got to be mental because Tyson has the physical tools and we could really use his speed to threaten that edge. So yeah. I would love to see his game come together. Yeah, I, I would too. I you know, if you're talking about the likelihood of either Duvernay
1: or uh Tyson Williams getting it together to 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 learn the mesh point, because obviously it's the mesh point's also something that Duvernay probably has very little experience with. We don't know that for sure, but you know, we haven't we haven't seen it in practice, we obviously haven't seen it in a game, uh, didn't really catch any of it in camp. Uh so you know, the the number of mesh point opportunities he's had is probably pretty limited in terms of what they've been running and uh, they, they they undoubtedly if they're going to change scheme and, and put him in the backfield they need to be pretty certain that works because that's that's obviously the ball has to come in and go in and come out cleanly uh, or, or you really can't run that play out of sidecar
2: so we did see him as you mentioned get one chance like mm-hmm. as strictly as a running back in sidecar against Minnesota yep. which would lead me to believe that they've I mean, Ken, would you think that the, would that lead you to believe they practice it at least a handful of, you know, oh, sure. practice? A- I
1: mean, absolutely. But in on the one play in question, it, it it was it was not a legitimate fake. He They didn't go all the way into the mesh and, and, and wait, 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 pull kind of thing. Okay. It was a it was a show the mesh and then pull it out before he really ever got So I, I wrote I don't I have no clue. Where he would be, I'm sure they've practiced it some. I just don't know if they completely trust it. And every time they go to that mesh point, I mean, there's a fumble is a possibility. You know, if the the ball, if Lamar truly wants to pull the ball, then there's there's the possibility of a fumble. And you know, not everybody's Mark Ingram in terms of really understanding and, and being highly facile with the mesh point.
2: Yep, I mean that's the only thing I think that would be holding it back because Duvernay has north south. A north south mentality. So uh, you put him on the edge, and we've seen it many times on jet sweeps. He finds the spot to head north, and it's going to be a collision, a hard runner. So, yeah, my ears perked up, my eyes perked up when I saw him in the backfield because we were just talking about that maybe offline. I don't know about having somebody to stretch the edge. Uh, you know, Nate McCrary is a guy I still hold out for, but obviously he's got some things that he needs to work on as well. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll see how that works out. Hopefully we can get some speed back there. All right.
1: So we're gonna have to call it here for tonight on the questions. Great mailbag questions as always. Really appreciate you folks that contribute on a regular basis. Got some new names in here tonight that I'm happy we were we're getting for the first time. Uh Jason, you know, you come out of a loss like this and it's all it always sucks. And you travel for the game, it sucks too. But I got home. I, you almost are just dreading the analysis. But what I find is the analysis is actually fairly cathartic in, in going through and see the defense actually played very well. You know, they had a few breakdowns. They missed some turnover opportunities. Not happy about that. To see that the offensive line is is, you know, watching it today with Maureen to see that that is not completely broken. You know, it's really scheme and not the line play specifically that, yep. that, that it's off is, is, you know, actually a cathartic thing. And then the third thing is talking to you about it for an hour and 10 minutes here. We get to have a good conversation about football. You know, we, we get to talk about other things that they can do to combat what the what the Dolphins threw with them. So not just any two and six team is going to be able to do this to the Ravens. Uh, I, I'm I, it just makes me feel a lot better to go through a week like this. And this is kind of my rebuilding process after after a loss each time.
2: Me too. This one, Ken. It was different than Cincinnati. I needed to disconnect myself. I didn't start rewatching until today because I knew, you know, we had the program tonight. So I just needed to give myself a, a day to calm down. So I was looking at it with clear eyes. And then when I started looking at it, I, I was like, you know, it's just like we can beat this defense that they're throwing at us. There's no doubt about it. We did it towards the end of the game. We figured it out. The problem that I have is that it seems like, I tweeted this out, it seems like we have to be dead in the water for our coordinators to go, you know, hurry up or make a change, take the short passes, like in the Colts game, whatever it may be. Um, that Are would blaming be blaming you know, both coordinators for that comment? But, you know, Wink is, I think, more, I'm leaning more towards Roman on this comment, i got to be honest, but mm-hmm. some things need to be cleaned up on defense too. Uh, I think Wink, you know, like in the Cincinnati game, got a little too stubborn. Had a little success against Burrow blitzing early, and then got carried away with it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at like the Indianapolis game and and this game, and it's like, what is taking our offense so long to make a minor adjustment to really just kick it in the second gear? These slow starts are just really, really grading on me. And you know, as much as we can fix and 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 beat Cover Zero next time. What, what's the next thing is going to be thrown at us and how long is it going to take us? Is it going to cost us a big game? Is it going to cost us a season? So uh, I understand the fans frustration with Greg Roman. I actually, you know, I have some of the same frustration. So, you know, I, I, I want to see us adjust quicker on offense and then defense. We just got to know who we are. We're not the 2018, 19 Ravens defense. We don't have Marcus Peters. We've got to communicate. We've got to simplify things And uh, and stop giving up these big plays because, you know, if Miami had a little bit more speed on their team and a little more talent, there, there could have been a couple other plays like that. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's what, it and, and they need team.
1: to they need to convert some of these turnover opportunities. Four four solid turnover opportunities in this game, and they went over four. You just you can't you can't go over four a whole lot of games and expect to win. Uh, you, right. you, you gotta you gotta convert some of that.
2: We, we need a playmaker on that side, Ken. I know we're running late, but I, I'm looking for new players on every level of this defense when it comes draft time. You'll so get sure. your you'll get your way. <laughs> strip sack guy, a nice free safety, a nice uh, ball hawking corner. I want one of everything. I want everything.
1: You'll 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 get a safety. You'll you'll get two defensive linemen. I believe. Uh, you might even get an inside linebacker. Don't know about an outside linebacker. They might they might try and economize there. We'll see what the, I'm sure they'll take a outside linebacker. They'll take an edge guy if they think they get value on him at some point. But uh, mm-hmm. but we'll see. It's about time. I really look forward. We'll do our draft thing again next year, I hope. And, and, uh, and when we do, that, uh, that should be a lot of fun because uh, I, I really enjoyed this process that last year. I hope people will join us this next year if, uh, if we'll do it together.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm trying to hold out on this, and I know you're going to ask me about my work. You guys can find me on Huddle It Up Films, both on YouTube and Twitter, releasing new stuff as often as I can. A lot of coaches film on there, so if you want to take the, the bird's-eye view of things, see it from the sideline and see it uh, see Player Cut Ups. You see Patrick Queen on there and his new role. It's a video that I did recently. I'm going to look at some of these cover zero blitzes on Tuesday. So um, please check out my channel, subscribe, and support it. Thank you. All right. And if you're out there and you want to do a 25 years
1: episode, we're producing one of those almost every day. Still got about 10 to record to complete the season. Uh, Hit me up with an idea, three bullet points or so. Or not even that, just an idea uh it within a direct message on on twitter by now you guys know what i'm looking for i have new submissions coming in almost every day but uh you know i I, want to have ones that are narrow you can discuss in 20 minutes and and uh uh at good depth so that's what we're looking for and uh the weirder the better i'd say in terms of raven's history we're loving all of these and uh if you got a really weird unknown game or player you would like to talk about that's really a lot of fun jason thanks again for joining me here uh tonight thank you ken appreciate you as always We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
0: This is the story of the one.